The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, uh, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. We're in the uh, we're going to be starting, or we are starting, a new series titled The Mental Equivalent. Now, this series is based upon a little booklet that was uh, that is produced by Unity that was written by Emmett Fox. Now, for those who might not know who Emmett Fox was, he was a, a New Thought speaker and minister and author in the first half of the 20th century. And in my opinion, a profound New Thought metaphysical Christianity thinker. Profound. Uh, he wrote some of the classic books that people read today in many denominations, his uh, book, The Sermon on the Mount, uh, is considered a classic. And, and you'll find that book on many different denominations of not only Christian leaders, but re- leaders of other religious movements. Uh, he wrote, uh, you know, many other books on, you know, Ten Commandments. He wrote books on uh, booklets primarily on like prosperity and et cetera. He wrote a lot of booklets and he was one of the more if not the most popular speaker in the New Thought movement in the first half of the 20th century. He would speak, he was from London, and he would speak to crowds of thousands because he was able to take the metaphysical uh, movement's um, jargon, uh, the way they taught it, simplify it, and make it presentable to the people without watering it down. That was his gift. And you know, I want to make sure that this work gets exposed. He also is the person who um, wrote the statement that I quote quite often. Uh, There's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. I think to this day, that's one of the most profound statements I've ever read. It's simple, but it's very direct. There's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. And that was his acid test for your uh, understanding of truth. What are you demonstrating? So. He has a very direct style. 
uh, his brand of metaphysics is very absolute, like many of the old timers uh, in New Thought, Neville and Joel Goldsmith, uh, you know, Charles Fillmore, Ernest Holmes. They were very definite, very direct in their presentation of what they believed. So I just want to make sure that as you read this book, and I recommend that anybody go on whatever vehicle you need to have. I'm sure this is even floating around the Internet for free somewhere. Obviously, people who are... Um, uh, associated with a new thought ministry can go hopefully to your bookstore and get this book if your people don't know where to order it from you order it from unity it's a unity classic pamph- booklet or pamphlet uh, that's all the 40 pages long and it's profound so i do want to make sure that everyone who is listening to this show actually uh gets the little booklet because this little 40 page booklet is better than many books that I've read. And I've read a lot of books. And I can tell you that this booklet is better than some books that I have that are three and 400 pages because it's direct and it's practical. And that's what we want. So what I'm going to do over the next several weeks is I'm going to take this little small 40-page booklet and instead of rushing through the process, I'm going to explain it bit by bit over the course of four shows. All right. So let's get to it. He starts off by saying on page three, he wrote, we are all interested supremely in one subject. One thing means more to us than all the other things in the world put together. Our search for God and the understanding of God's nature. Now, one of, the, one of the things that I like about this statement is it doesn't make a difference what culture it is, what era or age we're talking about. We can talk about 300 years ago, 700 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. As long as this documented language and writings, humanity has been searching for God and the understanding of God's nature. And it won't stop. And that's a great thing. So he goes on to say the aim of the metaphysical movement is to teach the practice of the presence of God. Now that's a now I don't want you to miss the nuance. So he's he's basically saying humanity has been searching for God and an understanding of God's nature. Then he flips it slightly and says, Okay, that's great. However, the aim, our target as New Thought metaphysical thinkers is to teach the practice. How do you bring that understanding into your experience? Is to teach the practice of the presence of God. How can God become a practical reality in my everyday experience how does God become a practical experience by using the tools I talked about this yesterday in my class the denials, the affirmations, the prayer work the meditation, the visualization the critical spiritual thinking through study, what are you doing you're contemplating, you're shifting and creating a new consciousness which creates a new paradigm which allows you 
on a moment-to-moment basis to center yourself, consciously connect with the presence and power of God within you. And, and as you do that, as you align with the truth that is already within you as your true spiritual nature, that allows you to practice the presence of God and have <clears throat> a God realization and a God demonstration. And when I say God demonstration, I mean for your highest good in that experience. Moving on. So Emmy Fox goes on to say on page three, we practice the presence of God by seeing God everywhere. I'm just going to stop right there. So he's giving you really practical techniques. Now, a person would say, you know what? That's really hard. How can a person say you can see God everywhere? Don't you see all the stuff that's happening in the world? I get that. However, Jesus is attributed as saying in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Heart is the deeper feeling, subconscious nature, where your hardcore beliefs, attitudes, emotions, and you know your deep perspectives are held. Blessed are the pure in heart. So your ability to see God is not dependent on God being omnipresent, because God is omnipresent. Your ability to see God in all things is based upon how pure your heart is. Mm. Mm. Because, you know, I can remember years ago, this was probably now, almost 20 years ago now, uh, Reverend Coleman had preached a sermon at Christ Universal Temple and she was talking about basically spiritual understanding and spiritual revelation. And she made a statement that, um, you know, people are wondering why people don't see Jesus appearing like you, what happened in the Bible. This is the context of the lessons, not exactly how she was explaining it, but you know how people would say, you know, in the Bible, well, I saw Jesus, I saw Jesus post resurrection. And she said, well, how come people, how come people, aren't seeing Jesus today. And she said, because your eyes aren't pure enough. Now, was she talking about your physical eyes? Or was she talking about your mental perception? Was she talking about your ability to see spiritually? Again, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So Emma Fox goes on to say, we practice the presence of God by seeing God everywhere in all things, And in all people, despite appearances, to the contrary. Mm. Can you see God in the person or people you don't like, you don't agree with, or you are currently opposing? That doesn't mean that you have to agree with their position. That doesn't mean you have to agree with their actions. It just means that you have to see God. Just think about that. He goes on to say, he challenges people. He says, as we look around the world with the eyes of the flesh, we see inharmony, fear, and all sorts of difficulties. But our leader, Jesus Christ, taught us, do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. John seven twenty four. 
He goes on to say, so when we see the appearance of evil, we look through it to the truth that lies beyond it. Stop there. So, so when we see the appearance of evil, we look through it to the truth that lies beyond it. What is the truth that lies beyond it? There's only one presence and one power in the universe. God, the good, omnipotent, the everywhere present spirit of absolute good. What is the truth that lies beyond it? I'm a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. What is the truth that lies behind it? In him we live, move, and have our being. What is the truth that lies behind it? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's the truth. It goes on to say, as soon as we, he says, as soon as we see this truth and see it spiritually, the appearances change, change, excuse me, the appearance, uh, the appearance changes because this is a mental world. Uh, as soon as we see the truth, this truth, and see it spiritually, in other words, this isn't, this isn't a fake revelation or realization. You have to see it spiritually. The appearance changes because this is a mental world. Not physical. Yes, it is a physical world, but the physical world is a fact. Causation is mental. So he goes on to say, now most people do not know this. They think that this is a material world. and This is why humanity has problems. Mm. because we're trying to change the physical without addressing the mental states that produce the physical. So it goes on to say on page four, we know that we live in a mental world and to know this is the key to life. I love the way he writes the key to life. What does the key do? A key gives you access. It opens something. You can have a key to a a box. You can have a key to a safe. You can have a key to a door. You can have a key to a house or a building. You can have a key to a car. It gives you access to enter. And understanding that we live in a mental world gives you access to enter into a new way of being. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because we live in a mental world. So the transformation can only happen through the renewing of the mind. No renewing of the mind, no transformation. He goes on to say, if children could be taught only one thing, they should be taught that this is a mental world. I would let all other things go and teach them this. This made me pause and think, okay, this is the next conversation that I need to make sure that I am driving home with my own daughter who's in college now. Now, does she know this? Have I taught her this? Yes. But is that something that comes up in everyday conversation every time? No. Because if not, 
people will start to try to fight the physical without necessarily, again, changing the beliefs that produce the results. So he goes on to say some hardcore truth. Whatever enters your life is but the material expression of some belief in your own mind. Mm. This is the part that people don't like about new thought. You all are blaming people. No, it's not blame. Blame is based upon the belief that something is wrong. We're talking about recognizing that this is a universal cause and effect. And when people get caught up in blame, they're in emotion. You're trying to say, I'm something's wrong with me, or I did this or did that. No, we're saying that even if you leave a concrete parking lot that's completely paved um, um, on the street and leave it without anyone checking on it to monitor it, to keep it clean of debris, etc., that weeds will grow through the concrete because of things that are just blown on it and things that are growing up through it. You have to maintain something. So either through the sin or mistake of omission or commission, either consciously or unconsciously, we allow beliefs to take root in our consciousness, in our minds, in our thinking that allows the equivalent, physical equivalent to correspond with the mental equivalent because the mental equivalent is the blueprint the mental equivalent is the is the pattern the mental equivalent is the seed for what shows up later and the reason why we don't recognize the law of mental equivalence in our lives is a watermelon seed does not look like a watermelon so we don't connect the dots We don't connect the dots when you, well, I don't see how thinking about this produced that because they don't look the same. But again, a watermelon seed does not look like a watermelon. Therefore, if you cannot discern how watermelon seeds turn into watermelons, you cannot discern how thoughts become things. So it's easier to say that people are just, you know, blaming people for being broke or sick or poor or whatever. And that's not the case. It's many things that go into creating what we call consciousness, not just our own individual thinking. Sometimes how we're raised, our culture, the culture that we are raised in, not just as a, as a human race, then as a, as a nationality, as a gender uh, as as your individual family culture, neighborhood culture, city culture, religious culture, school upbringing. It's so many things that affect how we think that if we're not mindful and intentional, those we're, we're living out patterns that were presented to us as defaults, and we don't even know why stuff is showing up the way it's showing up because we're not conscious. So when Emmett Fox makes statements like whatever enters into your life is but the material expression of some belief in your own mind, he isn't trying to blame or shame. And neither is any other New Thought teacher, because I've heard this as a uh, comp complaint about New Thought. 
It's saying that you have the responsibility of your for your own mind, and if it can come into your life, you can send it away and and bring in a new experience based upon your mental equivalent. So I'm looking at the clock, and it looks like it's time for our first break. So we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. What got you started on your spiritual path? Minister and radio host Paul John Roach says his path began when he heard George Harrison of the Beatles talking about Hindu philosophy and meditation. Paul John writes about it in the current edition of Unity Magazine. And don't miss the interview with Eben Alexander, the neurologist whose near-death experience led him to write Proof of Heaven. It's all in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine. Go to unity.org and click on Publications. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on unityonlineradio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. I am teaching the booklet, The Mental Equivalent, by Emmett Fox, and I'm on page four. Before I start back, let me remind you that you can call into the show at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I would love to hear from you, and, you know, because I think that just kind of makes the show f- flow from it kind of differently when I hear from the callers and see what you're thinking about or hear your questions. It gives us an opportunity to just kind of flow differently. Also... This show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, you can uh, click on the donate button on the uh, 
unity.fm website, unity.fm. So if you're listening to this on a podcast later or years later, you can go to unity.fm, click on the donate button and help support this online ministry. Uh, just a reminder that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. And my request is that you go on the page on Facebook, like the page, give it a five-star review and a positive uh, five-star rating, rather, and a positive review. Also, if you listen to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, Stitcher is an Android app for podcasts, uh, do the same. Give it a five-star rating and a positive review. When you give these uh, ratings and reviews, it helps the algorithms put the information in front of people. We want to impact as many lives as we possibly can with this truth. So let's be a stand for it together. All right. So getting back to the booklet, page four, I'm going to read it again. I left off at the last break where Emmett Fox wrote, whatever enters into your life is but the material expression of some belief in your own mind, the kind of body you have, the kind of home you have, the kind of work you do, the kind of people you meet are all conditioned by and correspond to the mental concepts you hold. Mm. So he's saying the same thing as Tom Johnson wrote in the magnificent book years ago, you are always your own experience or as Reverend Ike wrote in that magnificent sermon that's available, I think on his website, I meet no one, but me, I meet no one, but me. So, you, the kind of body you have. Now, let's just take this from the standpoint of of two levels. The kind of body you have, recognizing the, the, that your body is the life of God that knows no age, that is ho- perfect, whole, and complete. That, as you impress that on the patterns of the cells, the cells then produce the physical effect of that pattern. Uh, someone wrote a book years ago, your body believes every word you say. And we talk about our bodies in ways that are not necessarily holistic. Now, let's take it to a, a level underneath the metaphysics. As I'm, How I think about my body matters because it will determine how I treat it, what I eat, if I'm exercising, um, you know, uh, what I put in it. You know, uh, many people have habits that are not necessarily beneficial to the well-being of their bodies, you know, cigarette smoking, um, you know, alcohol abuse, you know, uh, you have, uh, you know, I'm not an alcohol fan at all, but alcohol abuse, uh, different various drugs, legal and legal, because prescription drug use is out of control right now. The what you think about your body will determine how you treat it. Some people treat their cars and their belongings better than they treat their own bodies. Just think about that. You care more about the gas. Uh, you don't, don't put that 87 gas in my car. My car takes premium. And then, and, but then smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. That's inconsistent. You know, or or needs you know you know you know a tall glass of liquor every night, pounding the liver to death. 
but you care more about some type of oil or the or the or your car wash or your whatever or your or your clothes get treated better in your body. It makes no sense. So it's so you can treat this metaphysically and even see how it trickles down to everyday regular life. You know, if you know you, you can't eat junk all the time, no fruit, no vegetables. You can't eat all day and expect a healthy body. Well, you don't give your body op- the time to process the last meal. Simple, smart stuff. You got to exercise. You got to move your body. It doesn't make a difference what your biological age is. You got to walk. You got to move. It's like, well, my body doesn't is not allowing me. If you don't push through the knee, my ankle is, my elbow, then more stuff will start hurting. Part of it is understanding that you got to move this vehicle of expression. Or it'll get, quote, unquote, rusty because it's not moving. All right. Back to the book. So he says the kind of home you have. So you have to recognize that your home is still a product of your consciousness. So if a person walks in and your house is all over the place, that's just a reflection that your mind is all over the place. It's because when people enter into your space, they're also seeing a reflection of your consciousness and uh, and that's inside and outside. You know, I, I'm that neighbor who who just gets frustrated when people don't cut their grass and and you know and do basic stuff to make sure that their house looks nice on the outside. Because to me, that's a reflection of the neighborhood. So if the neighborhood is not handling the the business funds, the upkeep and the safety and the presentation. Of, of the neighborhood individually and collectively, if they don't care, then that's how neighborhoods drop in value. That's how homes drop in value. That's how people start to miss things start to happen in neighborhoods that shouldn't happen because it's the it's, it's individual consciousness that shows up as collective consciousness. Eventually, you got to deal with it. Eventually. Eventually. And when your consciousness gets to the space where you say, well, you know what? I can no longer do this. Then you are moved to go move somewhere else. Because when you move in consciousness, you got to move physically or you don't have peace. The kind of work you do. It doesn't make a difference what it is. It's a reflection of the consciousness. And there are people who do jobs that people say, well, you shouldn't make a lot of money, and they and yet they do. And then there are people who have jobs where you think that they would have satisfaction and fulfillment and the money, and yet they don't. There are some people who are highly educated that can't find well-paying, fulfilling work. And then there's people who don't who do. Why? Mental equivalent. Mental equivalent. Getting this concept of the mental equivalent will help you understand life so much better just by reading it.
over and over and over again. So Emmett Fox goes on to say that about 20 years ago, I coined the phrase mental equivalent. And now I want to say that for anything that you want in your life, a healthy body, a satisfactory vocation, friends, opportunities, and above all, the understanding of God, you must first, excuse me, you must furnish a mental equivalent. Then he says, supply yourself with a mental equivalent and the thing must come to you. Without a mental equivalent, it cannot come. Now notice that. If you want something, you got to have the mental equivalent. If you don't have the mental equivalent, you can't have it. You can't have it, period. Because you don't have the corresponding conscience. If somebody gives it to you, you won't keep it. If you win it in a game of chance, like the lottery, you can't keep it. Because it's not of your consciousness. You'll give it away. This is why lottery withers and so many of these athletes go broke so quickly. Because they don't have the mental equivalent of what it is that they have received. Even through with the, as far as the athletes is concerned, the physical hard work, but the mental is different. It's that understanding of what that means and why. Jesus taught the same truth. People don't want to admit it, but he taught the same truth. This is what he meant when he said in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You have to believe that it is yours for it to be yours. Believing that you received it is the mental equivalent. And Fox goes on to say. Now as to the things in your life that you would like to be rid of. Everyone has such things in life. Perhaps bodily difficulties or faults of character are the most important. We all have habits of thoughts and action. We all have business, family, and personal conditions we would like to be rid of. If we rid our minds of the mental equivalent of them, they must go. Must go. Because there's nothing to correspond in you to keep them in your life. They're there because there's something in you that's corresponding to it. He goes on to say, everything that you see or feel on the material plane, whether it is your body, your home, your business, or your city, is but the concrete expression of a mental equivalent that you hold. We used to say, in, um, you know, when I was growing up in the African-American community in Chicago, and this statement isn't ex- exclusive to Chicago, but it is a statement that you can take them, you know, you can take them out the neighborhood. We would say, cut it short and say hood, but you can't take the hood out of him or them. And that was a statement of saying that unless a person wanted to change, they'll go find trouble. Unless a person wants to change, unless a person wants transformation, unless a person wants it to be better and different, They'll go find it, even if you take them out of the situation that they were in. People, you know, through much pain, get out of a bad relationship and go find somebody just as bad, if not worse. 
Because instead of taking the time to deal with themselves and their own mentality, to find out what's corresponding in me that's drawing these type of significant others, they just jump back into one thing to the next, 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 on to the next one. All right, back to the book. He says, everything in your city is the embodiment of the mental equivalence the city citizens hold. Mm. So your your neighborhood and even your city is the equivalent of the thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions, attitudes, and opinions that the citizens hold. What's important to them? What's not important to them? will be reflected in what's showing up. It goes on to say, everything in your country is the embodiment of mental equivalence the people of the country hold. He's talking about it, not everybody, but what are the dominant beliefs, thoughts, feelings, attitudes, emotions, opinions, Etc. that the citizens hold. So when we see with, you know, you know, national elections and things of that nature, you know, president and senators and congressmen, etc. Is reflecting what people are. It's not an accident. Who is is in the driver's seat at any given moment or another? It's a reflection. He goes on to say, and the state of the world embodies the middle equivalent of the billions of people in the world. Something to think about. So he says, what about war? He says, this is the physical expression of a mental equivalent held by the human race. There's a lot of warmongering going on right now. He says, the human race has believed in the old bogey of fear. It has believed that you can enrich yourself by taking something belonging to someone else. It has believed in death and in lack. It has also believed that aggression pays and that helping yourself to other people's things is a good policy. We all have believed this in some degree. Notice that, in some degree. The natural result of this has been to precipitate in the outer a picture of war, death, suffering, and so on. Because humanity had the mental equivalent of war, war came. This is why it's so important that you do your own prayer work, you do your own meditation work, you do your own spiritual study, because your mentality is a part of the collective mentality that shifts the world one way or another. If you're not daily praying for peace, you should be praying that peace, wisdom, and understanding expressed through world leaders you should not because you like them or dislike them because we want to be the expression of peace 
pray, pray and see the neighborhood that you live in peaceful, loving, joyful, supplied. Now, it looks like it's time for our second break. So let's go to our second break. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm teaching the mental equivalent by Emmett Fox, and I am on uh, page uh, six and I'm reading something from the bottom of the page where he wrote uh, always the thing you see in the outer is the precipitation on the physical plane of a mental equivalent held by one or more people so I want to drill home the point again that it's not just your thinking alone but it's also the collective thinking uh, one of the friends of the ministry, um, uh, is a minister who teaches leadership named, um, Dr. S- uh, his doctor, but Reverend Samuel Chan. He might be Dr. Samuel Chan, but he teaches leader. And he had his book called, uh, uh, Ch- Cracking the Church's C- Culture Code for church people. If you want a book about how to work with cult- church culture, I would recommend it. Cracking the Church's Culture Code. And in the book, he basically says that culture trumps strategy. Uh, That's not his words, but that's basically what he's saying, that, you know, some people try to say, okay, we're just going to give it this new vision and we're going to come up with this new strategy and we're just going to do it without ever addressing the unsaid in any particular organization or community. What's the culture? What is the culture? Every organization has a culture every 
church, place of employment or organization has a culture. Every family has a culture, whether they live in the same space or not. If the people who are uh, families have a way they get down, the way they move and don't move based upon the, the way they were raised and the people that were raised before them, the things that were accepted and the things that are not acceptable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a family culture. Nationalities have cultures. What these people do who come from these particular countries are many times consistent with a particular culture. Race has culture. You know, there is a certain aspect of of music and art and creativity, uh, language, etc. that goes along with culture. You know, for instance, the African-American culture uh, produced uh, many of the sounds of music that people enjoy today. Blues, R&B, rock and roll. And hip hop or rap, which are four of the most dominant forms of music today. That would those types of music came directly out of the culture of African Americans. I'm just using that as an example, and it just happened to be African American. So when you understand culture. It's one thing that to say, okay, I just have a thought, I have a belief, I'm just going to move on a dime. But if you don't understand the culture that has been created, uh, that sometimes you inherit, then you don't know how to navigate in the space. So if there's collective, uh, if there's collective culture, then there's an internal culture of your mind. There's a way you move. There's a way you get down. There's a way you see things. There's a way you believe things. There's a way there are opinions you have about things. There are attitudes you have. There are memories that you pull up based upon certain things. If you don't understand your own internal culture, you will end up doing things and not even realizing why you do it, even when you know it's wrong, because you don't understand you. Because you think, okay, well, if you have a culture of being lazy, not following through, not completing projects, not being consistent, not handling your business financially or or taking care of your body or consistently being your word with yourself or others. And then all of a sudden you say, well, you know what? I just went and got this Brian Tracy book or this Tony Robbins book and I'm going to read it once and I'm just going to do this. And then you find yourself fighting your own resistance and you don't know why. Well, I know I'm supposed to get up 30 minutes early and do my prayer and meditation. How, how come I'm sleeping to the last minute? I know I'm supposed to go to the gym and work out three to four times a week. Well, how come I find myself on this TV watching uh, Thank God It's Friday, TGIF? I know that I'm supposed to sit down and, and uh, write out my budget and plan what I need to do with my money. How I'm, why am I playing on my phone th- through my social media apps? 
because you've developed a mental culture. So the first thing you got to do is address the culture. This is why the denials and affirmations, etc., are so important. The visualization of prayer is like building a house brick by brick. Brick by brick, you're creating a new foundation. You're creating a new mental culture that allows you to be able to be your word, to be in integrity with who you are spiritually, mentally, and physically. To be in integrity with yourself in your relationships with others. To be in integrity with yourself in regards to your spiritual practices. You got to know your own culture. So, Emmett Fox went on to say, now, of course, I borrowed this expression, mental equivalent from physics and chemistry. He says, we speak of the mechanical equivalent of heat, for example, and engineers constantly have to work out the equivalent of one kind of energy in another kind of energy. They have discovered, they, they have to discover how much electricity will they will need to do certain mechanical work. They have to find out how much coal will be needed to produce so much electricity and so on. In like manner. There is a mental equivalent of every object or occurrence on the physical plane. So when we see a thing, a good question to ask is, what is the mental equivalent of this experience in my life? What belief is rooting that to me? What's in my mind that's showing up as this? And then you deal with it. No fault, no blame. But it's taking ownership so you can take the responsibility of changing it in your life. In your life. Recognize that in your life. Moving on. He wrote, the secret of successful living is to build the mental equivalent that you want and to rid yourself of the mental equivalent you do not want. So when you are denying or using denials, you're getting rid of the mental equivalents you don't want. And as you are affirming, you are creating the mental equivalents that you do want. The, the Lord's prayer is a perfect example of denials and affirmations. The Lord is my shepherd. That's an, that's an affirmation. I shall not want denial. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. How is that different than God is the source of my supply? So when you understand that you're shifting, so when you read those scriptures like the 23rd Psalm and the 91st Psalm and the Beatitudes, etc., you're actually deconstructing old mental equivalents and creating new ones. I really want that to land. He goes on to say, uh, he says, why is a, on page eight, why is a quarrelsome person always in trouble? He becomes dissatisfied in New York, so he goes to Chicago. He thinks we'll like it in Chicago, but pretty soon he has enemies in Chicago, so he goes to Kansas City. He has heard that there are nice people there, but soon he is in trouble again. Why? He has what we call a quarrelsome disposition. He has the mental equivalent of strife. Now, if you can have the mental equivalent of strife, you can have the mental equivalent of peace. If you can have a mental equivalent of lack, you can have a mental equivalent of prosperity. 
You could have a mental equivalent of illness. You could have a mental equivalent, uh, mental equivalent of dynamic health. But it's shifting your mind. It's shifting your mind. And what Emmett Fox teaches in this booklet is how you create the shift and maintain it. And that's why I'm going to take it week by week, even though it's a small 40-page booklet. I'm going to take it page by page until we get it. He goes on to say, page 8, so the key to life is to build the mental equivalent of what you want and to expunge the equivalence of what you do not want. How do you do it? You build the mental equivalence by thinking quietly, constantly, and persistently of the kind of things you want. Oh, my God, I love that. You build a mental equivalence by thinking quietly, constantly, and persistently of the kind of things you want. He says, then thinking has two qualities, clarity or definiteness and interest. If you want to build anything into your life, if you want to bring health, right activity, your true place, inspiration, if you want to bring right companionship, and above all, if you want understanding of God, form a mental equivalent of the thing you want by thinking about it in a great deal, by thinking clearly and with interest. Remember, clarity and interest are the two poles. So clarity and interest. Can you see it clear? Are you interested with in it? Do you have, you know, you got to be interested in that which you say you desire. You got to you got to have some mental pursuit toward the ideal. That's what counts. You got to have a mental pursuit toward the ideal. How clearly can you see it? Many times you ask people, "Well, what do you want?" They don't even know. They'll create a bunch of strife. They could tell you what they don't want. But they can't tell you what they do want. And as long as they're telling you what they don't want, they're reinforcing the old mental equivalent. Because they can see that clearly. They obviously have interest in it, even if they want to get rid of it. And they have strong feelings, beliefs, and convictions around it. That is the pure definition of a mental equivalent. So by thinking, feeling, talking, and engaging consistently with what you don't want reinforces the old mental equivalent. So we're going to stop there. Next week, we're going to talk about universal polarity. Universal polarity is the next chapter in the booklet on the mental equivalent by Emmett Fox. Uh, again, my request is everybody who is following along with this series actually get the booklet. You can order it from Unity. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon.com. CUT people, you can get it from the CUT bookstore. Um, get it. Figure it out. You're a powerful being. So God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. 
This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The optimist sees the good in all things, builds upon the most hopeful and cheerful view of matters, and expects the best possible outcome. The pessimist, unwilling to look for the good, rarely finds it. Both optimism and pessimism are states of mind. They are attitudes, not events. The words we most often use reflect our strongly held thoughts and affect every area of our lives. If you're finding more frustration than fulfillment in your life, Take a look at what you're thinking. Find something more positive to think, say, or do. Begin building a happier, more satisfying life for yourself today as you choose to look for and find the good in every person and circumstance. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear the beautiful words, affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. The toll-free number is 1-800-NOW-PRAY. What got you started on your spiritual path? Minister and radio host Paul John Roach says his path began when he heard George Harrison of the Beatles talking about Hindu philosophy and meditation. Paul John writes about it in the current edition of Unity Magazine. And don't miss the interview with Eben Alexander, the neurologist whose near-death experience led him to write Proof of Heaven. It's all in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine. Go to unity.org and click on Publications. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 